Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Thank you so much. Our worship is such a blessed time. I was thinking of all the places I could be and doing and recreational activities, but I really look forward to coming, to being with all of you. I, I really like being around you guys. I don't know why it is. You're a lot of fun. I, I hear new jokes I can never remember, and I get to catch up on things. But most of all, it's just the caring and the love and knowing each other and supporting one another. It's just a wonderful place to be, and I'm glad I'm a part of it, that you have allowed me to be here. That's just very kind of you. I'm going to uh, pick up our uh, sermon today. I'm going to ask the Lord, I was sort of strolling through the Bible, what what do I preach on on New Year's? As we come up on a new year, I want to pick up on a theme that the Lord has shown me uh, about the mantle and about picking up the mantle. We've, uh, I've lived on the West Coast for quite a few years now, and uh, all the way from California to Vancouver, uh, West Coast people, Pacific people are different than Prairie people, than Alberta people and other people. They're a different breed, if you didn't know what I mean. Some of you are smiling and know what I'm talking about. And then some of it has to do with the weather. So it's warm on the coast from Vancouver down through California and Oregon and Washington. And because of that, you can live outdoors most of the time. And because of that, if you're the type of person who likes to live outdoors and not be tied to a job or anything like that, some people call them homeless, but they're not homeless. They're just traveling troubadours who have the wanderlust and they wander up and down that corridor along the west coast. But out here on the prairies and so on, it really doesn't pay to live outdoors. Or further north, it's just cold. And if uh, I'm convinced Manitoba is colder than any other place, and you just don't do it there, the coldest place in North America, believe it or not, seems to be Minnesota. My, my ancestors come from Minnesota. They were a bunch of Danes that went where only Danes would live, which is Minnesota. I swear it's colder in Minnesota sometimes than in the Arctic. It's just right to the bone. But you have to be frugal about where you live. If you're living in a harsh element, you can't just live any place. And as I lived on that coast, Uh, area and that warm climate, I ran into another creature and I ran into them on a regular basis and they were self-proclaimed prophets. I met more prophets than you could shake a stick at and uh, I got to tell you I tested them and most of them were false prophets. They were a dime a dozen. You go down to a coast on the California coast, you you throw a stick, you'll hit three prophets. And they didn't see it coming, so I don't know how you explain. I every time you know, I, I, every week I'd have someone walk up to me and say, "I'm a prophet." I'd roll my eyes. Oh, here we go again. 
And uh, there was a lot of confusion about that. Uh, there's good money in it if you can write a book and convince and have a following that you're a prophet. And then uh, there were a lot of Christians who got caught up in that and are confused by that. So I want to pick up today the prophet's mantle, but i got to undo some stuff that you guys think. And one of the things I need to undo is what a prophet is in the Bible, so you can discern that from false prophets. There are a lot of people who think a prophet is one who predicts the future. Anybody here think that's what a prophet is? It's not. Not according to the Bible. A pagan prophet is one who, for, who predicts the future, but not a Christian prophet. Did you know that? Or a Jewish prophet. A Christian or a Jewish prophet has a set line that it says, and it's always this way, thus saith the Lord, if then. It's always conditional. If you will repent, God will forgive you. If you don't repent, if you remain in your sin and so on, there is a judgment to come. Then there is a judgment. There's always a choice. It's not based on fate. A pagan prophet usually believes in predicting in the future that there's fate, an unchangeable fate that nothing can ever change it. I had one guy show up at my church, and he's saying the day is coming very soon when this valley that I lived in, the Rogue Valley, would uh, be flooded from the coast. I don't know how that would accomplish, but it was a disaster that was coming, that God was going to pull down the cities of New York and other things. And I said to him, but what if they repent? What if they come back to the Lord? Will God then not send this disaster on him? And he said, oh no, God's predicted it. He's shared this prophecy through me. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. That's a false prophet right there. Because even Nineveh got a better deal than that. Right? They repented. The prophet went there and said, you're all toast. I'm going to destroy you all. And that's all he said because... Although he was a true prophet, he only gave half the message he knew he was supposed to give, which was, if you repent, then God will forgive you. But I don't want you to do that. I want you judged. They repented anyways. And God spared Nineveh. Well, if he spared Nineveh, why not New York? Why not the Rogue Valley? Why not you? So a true prophet of God is always, if then. You got that? If then. It's a, it's a prophecy of choice. Now, there are a few things that... Uh, are going to happen. One was creation of the world, the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sins, and his second coming and the judgment to come. That's going to come. But there's a whole lot of decisions being made in between those, right? That we need to make before the Lord comes. If you repent of your sins and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, then you can survive the judgment and come into the glory of his kingdom. So, I'm going to pick up this prophet's mantle. I was strolling through the Bible, and I found it in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, 13 through 14. And uh, it begins with this prophet by the name of Elijah. And he is a follower of another prophet, Elijah. That's with an S. And uh, his uh, mantle is what we call the prophet's mantle. It says in 2 Kings chapter 2, 13 and 14, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell for him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. A cloak or a robe is a mantle. A cloak or a robe, you wore a coat today, that's a mantle. That's what you wear. 
And if we read this passage correctly, a better understanding of mantle is a calling of God or a purpose for your life. A calling of God or a purpose for your life. Do clothes make the person or does the person make the clothes? Which do you believe? Chicken or egg? Which is it? I, uh, I conducted an experiment last Sunday. Today I'm wearing my usual checkered shirt and jeans. Last Sunday I wore a suit, a white shirt, a vest, and a tie. And you should have seen the shock expressions on people's face, the comments I got. Oh my goodness. All because I changed my mantle. You make judgments on people based on how they dress. For instance, there's a Vancouver fan in our midst today. Can you tell who the Vancouver fan is in our congregation? Proudly wearing the colors, right? Other you wear different types of clothes, and you're sending them a message. You're wearing the colors that define who you are and what you believe. When I... Uh, interviewed for this church, I talked to the elders and I said, so what is the dress code here? And they said, well, you pretty much nailed it. I just come from a Home Depot. How could I have nailed it? But these are our colors. These are what we proudly wear. There are other colors. This too is a mantle. I received this many years ago when I graduated from Anderson School of Theology with a degree, a master's degree in divinity. And it has my school colors on it. I don't know why my school liked Halloween colors, but they did. And other schools have different colors than orange and black, but my school had orange and black. And then it has red on it, and the red signifies a, the a degree of theology. Did you know that? All these hoods mean something. They all have different colors. If I ever finished my doctorate, I would get a robe with three stripes on it, and the stripes would represent the school uh, from which I received that doctorate. I was working at Fuller Theological Seminary trying to get that. So there I have these colors and these robes and these authorities. And not anyone can wear this. You have to earn this. You have to work hard, spend a lot of money, pass a bunch of degrees, and go undergo a lot of grilling to get it. And then you get this mantle that was placed on my shoulders by scholars who said, yes, you're worthy receive the mantle of that degree. And so I received this many, many years ago as a young man. And it signifies the colors and my understanding and my theology as I learned it from my professors and from that school. I keep it now as a keepsake to remind me of the mantle that I received in those days. But I've received a lot of mantles over the years. Not all of them do I clearly wear like that. I've received the mantle of being a son of which I worked in a calling and a purpose in my life, a son to my father. I've received the mantle of being a husband, a mantle of being a father, for which I'm so grateful. And now I have the mantle of grandfather. Well, that's a whole different thing, learning what a grandfather is. I've been received the mantle of being a preacher and now you know, a pastor. Some of you call me John, and that's fine. I, I've been really having a lot of fun with you lately because some of you call me John and then go, oops, I mean pastor. That's the way it goes, John, oops, pastor. So you just shorten it to John, oops, pastor. That will be my middle name. 
And, and the, all that means is you de- haven't decided whether I'm your friend or your pastor. Well, can't I be both? I can be John. But with the, the, the pastor is not a title or a degree that says, when I wore my three-piece suit and everything, it started, oh, honorable, right reverend, divine, Pastor John, I was putting on airs. But a title is a part of a calling. Just like father is a calling. Just like grandfather is a calling. So is pastor. And when you call someone by that name, you're reminding them you're not an ordinary, you have been called to be something. It isn't a label like in science that says you are this, you are called to it. And a calling is something you pursue, you chase it, you're after it every day of your life. And every time I'm called pastor, I am reminded of my calling, which is a high calling and a lot of work. But now I'm going to set those mantles aside, the scholar's mantle, the family mantle, the pastor's mantle. I'm going to pick up the prophet's mantle, as the scripture shows it, and to let you know that it is there for you to find and for you to wear as well. You, too, can pick up the prophet's mantle and calling. And you don't have to be extraordinary. You just need to know where it is and being willing to pick it up. I say pick it up because you will often find it neglected on the banks of a river someplace. Dropped there. And no one picks it up. Most people walk right by the prophet's mantle, never understanding what it is or its function or its purpose or its declaration. And today I want us to learn to pick up this mantle, as I do today. The prophet's mantle is often overlooked as a rag, something, ooh, you wouldn't want to touch. It's left on the shores of some river crossing, for this is where the prophets often declare their messages, near rivers. And when we walk through the Bible, we often walk past the places that the prophets left his calling for us to find. Very few stop to pick it up, place it on their shoulders. We often think the day of the prophets has passed. There's no more need for them. And then we move on to more peaceful pursuits, more profitable pursuits in our life. We misunderstand the role of the prophet and the kingdom of God is revealed in the Bible so often. And we think about predictions rather than the declaration of God's offer to humanity. I found the prophet's mantle this week. I was strolling through the Bible, and God extends this mantle to you as well. But it is a cloak. It is a mantle. It is a robe that you need to handle with great care. These mantles are left by riverbanks for a reason, because those that have worn them are often experienced in their lives as a result of wearing the prophet's mantle until they have all often walked alone. They have been rejected. They even were killed for being faithful to their calling. So it's a dangerous thing to pick up a prophet's mantle. I want to pick up two mantles today that I'm going to look at in the scriptures. I'm going to look at the mantles of Elijah and Elijah, and then I'm going to look at the mantles of Isaiah and Jesus Christ. I say two, but they're really the very same mantle, the same calling, and the same purpose for all who will listen. The prophets Elijah and Elijah shared their mantle. And the Holy Spirit told the prophet Elijah to place his mantle 
on Elijah. First Kings chapter 19. I just discovered something about uh, Bible markers. I've got this uh, highlighter. Beth, do you ever get this? That if you freshly highlight it and then close your Bible, the pages stick where the highlighter is. That's sort of a waxy thing. So that was a new educational experience for me. First Kings, chapter 19, and I want to pick it up at verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, where he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. Now that guy knows how to drive a team, right? And he with the 12th ox. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, and he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he rose and he followed Elijah and ministered to him. This dropping of the prophet's mantle from one prophet to a guy plowing a field was a life-changing moment in his life. He understood what took place. This wasn't just someone doting, nating a code at Christmas. This was a calling signified by a piece of fabric dropped over his shoulders. And he knew what that moment was. And he responded to that call. To pick it up, he meant burning your bridges. He said, no longer will I plow fields with oxen or do this work. Now I'm fully into this new calling. I'm going to leave it all behind. He burned everything. He, he burned the plow. He cooked the oxen. He just gave it all away. And he said, I am, I am fully committed to this calling that I have received from the prophet. This first mantle taken from the shoulders of Elijah and placed on Elijah was a call to be a disciple, called to be taught, called to be led into the service of Father God. It was literally just a cloak, but the real significance was far greater. And there are people who miss it, who don't realize that they're being called to it, and they just think, oh, well, that's weird, rather than understand the moment that they were in. There is a purpose better than employment. Now I'm going to step on a toe, so put your feet under your chairs so I don't step on. There is a purpose greater than being employed. Now I've been called to be a dad and a husband and a father and a grandfather. I want to provide for my family. I've worked hard to do that. I find joy in employment and working hard and receiving a just wage for the work I did. But there is something more important than that calling. And that is something more important than just being a breadwinner or providing for your family. And that calling is what this man received, the call to be the prophet, to learn from the prophet, to learn the ministry of prophecy. And when he received it, he left behind his employment and his security. I know what that is early on. I was uh, 
not always a pastor. I was called Pastor John in high school. Did you? That was my nickname, Pastor John. I've been Pastor John ever since. And it doesn't matter where I go or where I work, they called me Pastor John at Home Depot. It's just who I am. It's what I do. It's more important to me than the job or anything else. My children don't call me Pastor John, but a lot of people do in a lot of different places. That's how I've been referred to. But the, there is more to life than just being secure, more than life than just providing. Sometimes you take a risk. When I started out, I was working at a grocery store in high school and making some good money with no expenses because I was living off my parents. You know how that works? Oh, it's nice. Well, you can put away money like crazy. So I was doing that, and I thought, oh, I'll just do this the rest of my life. And then I heard a preacher preach, and he talked about what I'm talking about today, about the calling or the purpose of God in your life. And I thought, well, maybe I should ask God what I should do with my life. You ever been in high school and know what that's like? What, what should I do? And I heard a distinct call from God. He said, John, I want you to be a pastor. Really? Me? He dropped the mantle on me. And I had to decide, well, am I going to or am I not? And that calling on my life changed everything. I told my father, who was also a pastor, Dad, I'm going to be a pastor. I think God's calling me into ministry. Dad shook his head. Oh, John, you don't want to do that. And I said, no, no, I think God wants me to be a minister. Do you know how hard that is, you and what you're getting into? He said, no, yeah, but I think that's what he wants me to be. Well, I think you should get a trade. That's what he said. I went through four years of Bible college hearing that from my dad. You don't want to be a pastor. I graduated, and he was very proud of me, and he said, well, way to hang in there, way to get your degree, way to, way to go. I said, Dad, you fought me for four years. Why are you congratulating me now? He says, well, I didn't want you to do it because I did it. I want you to do it because you had a calling. And said, well, great, I do. I'm, whether my dad approves or not, I'm going to do this. Now, I knew that it was a high-risk deal. I knew my father had been a pastor. I'd been in the church my whole life. I knew pastors come and go, and there's a lot of risk and everything else. And he said, but no, the calling is more important than the stability of a job and making good money. I was, well, one of the few in my family that thought my, that way, and that, I'm frankly, one of the few that, I've, that I meet in life that thinks this way. I believed that the calling was more important than security. This is where I'm stepping on your toes. Because most of us think security is more important than the calling. Some of you should say ouch right now. Now, I'm, I'm not pure. I'm not wonderful. I'm not so wonderful that I haven't had my moments. I've had my moments and anxiety about that. But I made that decision. I got rid of my ox. I burned the plow. I'm a pastor. That's what I'm going to do. God help me. What else can I do? This is what we learn from this calling of this man from one prophet to be another one. We find that Elijah found the prophet's mantle on the shores of the Jordan River when his mentor was also taken to heaven. So there's this first calling. He drops a cloak on him. He gets to keep it. And he's called to be a disciple or a follower of the prophet. 
later on, he still has that cloak. And now we turn to later on in 2 Kings, if you want to go to it, chapter 2, 11 to 14. And then it came about, as they were going along and talking, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. Whoop! You like sound effects in the Bible? I like it. And Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. What is he wearing? The mantle he had received from the prophet. What did he tear up? The mantle he had received. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he returned and stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and says, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided. And there, and Elijah crossed over. He had graduated. He had gone from the apprentice to the prophet. He had picked up the mantle dropped there. And you'll find that mantle dropped all over the place. And there were days in his future where he had wished he had never picked up that mantle. For the great trials and tests and tribulations, there were days he felt very alone that everyone was out to get him. But he had picked up the mantle. It was his calling. He didn't look for security. He, he got into a fight, is what he got into, more than once as a result of picking up this mantle. You've got to handle this mantle with care, for a calling can be a dangerous thing. But it is the only thing worth living for. As a pastor, not unlike here, I get well taken care of. The elders take care of me very well. And you guys put weight on me this Christmas with all your cookies and everything else. And I'm well fed and well taken. I'm not getting paid in chickens, so everything's great. But there were days when I, being a prophet or being a pastor was not very profitable. And I wasn't sure what to do. I remember I had received my graduation hood and my master's degree. And Ben Chandler from Calgary, Alberta calls me up and he says, John want you to come and help me plant Brad Creek Community Church. And I had a couple of authors from other churches with stable income. I don't know if you know what church planting is, but uh, salaries are woo, variable. It's a high-risk thing. It's like starting a business. You know, money in, but you don't know if you're getting money out. And uh, I had school bills. I had uh, seven years of school bills. And I had a wife. And I wanted to start a family. And I thought, well, I don't know, Ben, this is a high-risk deal. There was a nice, stable church in uh, Winnipeg, and they wanted me. It was a good salary, stable congregation, well-established. And uh, I looked at my wife, and I said, what will we do? And my wife is a prophetess. She's a challenger of my faith, and she pushes me into more rivers than I can count. And 
you're supposed to divide the waters before you go in. She's just, in you go. And, I, and she said to me these words. She said, John, if it wasn't for the money, which would you choose? If it wasn't for the money, some things are more important than employment, which would you choose? I said, Brad Creek in a heartbeat. I want to plant churches. I want to preach the gospel. I said, well, then let's go there. But the money. <laughs> what about the money? She says, what about the money? She had a better sense of my calling than I did, all right? Said, okay, let's do it. If you're up for it, you're willing to take the risk, I'll take it. There are things more important than employment. There is a calling and a purpose for every believer. Do you believe that? And it's on your life too. But you have to be willing to pick up the mantle. You have to be willing to take the risk, whatever it might be. For some, that's missionary work. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, there are many ways the Lord will challenge you. But I want you to know it's not faith if it isn't risky. It's not faith if it isn't risky. Most of our prayers, and I've had many of them myself, are, Lord, I've got this brilliant plan. This is what I would like to happen. Lord, would you bless this brilliant plan of mine with these end results that I would like to happen? I've prayed that prayer. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? And I swear, God rolls his eyes every time he hears that. Because I'm convinced that I think way too small. And I think big, but I'm still thinking smaller than God. And his plans are so far beyond my plans. And the only way I get into it is to pursue the calling on my life. He's got so much more for me than I ever dreamed, but only as I obey, as I take on the mantle. The mantle means that I agree to the terms and the conditions of the relationship with a prophet, with God, that I don't preach my own message, I preach God's message. I say, thus saith the Lord, not me, not my study, not what John thinks is brilliant. My job is to tell you what God says. Not what I think. You don't know, you don't want to know what I think. What's important is what God says and what he declares and what is so obvious for us. And not to dither over it, but then to call people to make an action. Choose you this day whom you will serve. God or somebody else. What will you do? That's the prophet's message, isn't it? Choose. It's a clear choice, if then. And that was my calling. It is your calling, too, if you're a believer. It is far better than security. Elijah picked up that mantle. He graduated from simply being a mentor to going beyond his teacher into that calling and the will of God. Elijah did what he did before when he received a call in his life to follow his mentor. And this time he tore up the disciples robe and took on the calling. What you understand this morning is what God is trying to get you to see is in this story is that he has a purpose and calling on each and every one of our lives. And we will miss it if we just keep living our lives in the ordinary ways and doing what is expected by others. There is a reason why we miss the prophet's mantle. 
and we just walk past it on the calling of God in our lives. It's because we're all wearing a yoke or a mantle already. And it's in opposition to the call of God on your life. We're going to go to Isaiah now. Are you ready? Your good Bible sword drill here. Isaiah chapter 9. And my pages are sticking. There we go. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7 is this passage. But this is the famous passage we quote at Christmas all the time, uh, where he talks about a light has dawned. At, at verse 2 in chapter 9, he says, The people who have walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, their light will shine on them. And they, they shall multiply the nations. Thou shalt increase their gladness. And they will be glad in thy presence, as with the gladness of harvest. And men rejoice when they divided the spoil. For thou shalt break the yoke of the broken, and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. Mantles have lots of names. But in the scriptures, they're also called yokes. Did you know that? A yoke is also known as a mantle. So when a, a yoke is placed on an ox, we know that his job is to pull, just as Elijah did. And a yoke of oppression, as Isaiah is using it, is that uh, an oppressor says, this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to do it, and this is the results of doing that, and you, you have to do this. You have no choice. Some of you say, that sounds like my boss. This is what you're going to do, this is what you get paid, and you have no choice, and this is the way I want you to do it. Now do it or you're fired. We all have yokes already, oppressing us in our life. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me today, as it was on Isaiah, as it was on Jesus Christ, to tell you Christ has come to break it, to smash the yoke that has you oppressed, that's holding you back from the will of God in your life. The reason you're passing that purpose in your life it's because you're wearing this yoke of oppression. You feel obligated to something that Christ wants to set you free from so you can find your purpose in him. Now I move from being offensive to being scary. Because if what I'm saying is true today, things have to be broken before new things can be found. Jesus Christ came, Isaiah proclaimed it, and then Jesus Christ later on proclaimed it too. You like it, you'll find it in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. At the beginning of his ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ picks up Isaiah's scroll. Where's Luke? Matthew, Mark, Luke. There you are, stuck together. Two pages. Luke chapter 4. He picks the scroll of Isaiah is handed to him. And at verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, which means called me, to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are downtrodden. The prophet in the Bible gives people a choice from God. And even though we think we are stuck, we have no options. We're under some power of some person or situation. God tells us he can set us free by breaking that yoke. Free to do what God wants you to do. By breaking the yoke of the oppressor who takes away our choices that God brings. If you're poor, if you're a prisoner, if you're blind, enslaved, God gives you a choice of being set free by following him out of your former life into a new life in the kingdom of God. Isn't that good news? We know the yoke of slavery and the power of oppression in our lives. You know it, I know it, we all know it. They're often felt in our soul where we hear condemning voices within us and the enemy. Have any of you felt that inner voice as a heavy oppression on you? You will never amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You can do that. You can't. No one likes you. No one appreciates you. No one understands you. You know, you try and try and you fail and you fail. The world would be better off without you. Does any of this sound like oppression? Have you ever had those thoughts in your mind? Christ has come to break that yoke, to set you free from it, because it keeps you from the calling of God, as found in Isaiah and throughout the Word of God. We know the power of oppression so well. We often know, even in the urges, that we do what we do not want to do, we know we should not do, failing to do what is right in the eyes of God, in our conscience, we condemn ourselves. We can feel the oppression of our hostile culture around us that has turned us away from the Lord to take pride in sin and immorality. Laws and customs are making any confession of faith illegal, offensive. It is the yoke and the rod of our day. The soul focused on this world will grow in offense, pride, anger, and anxiety. Do you have any anger? Are you anxious? There's probably an oppressive yoke in your life. But the mantle of the prophet, spoken through Isaiah, and then by Jesus Christ, is now being declared right now before you. For the hour is coming and has now come for that yoke and that rod to be broken in your life. Not only will the Lord triumph, but Jesus Christ will do this in every soul here today who will pick up the prophet's mantle and proclaim that this is the day of the Lord's favor in your life. And you can know it if you will pick it up. Jesus said to take his mantle or his yoke. You find it in the Gospel of Matthew. I've often missed the meaning of this passage, but it's so clear to me now. Matthew chapter 11 We'll find it at verse 28 through 30. Jesus says in this passage, he, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oppression in your life makes you weary and heavy laden. Have you ever been depressed? 
Do you know what depression is? When you're depressed, do you feel tired? I'm depressed every Monday. I take my Sabbath on Monday. You know why? Because I'm depressed on Monday. You know why I'm depressed? I have a problem. I am an addict. I am an addict to adrenaline. And on Sunday, my adrenaline's really flowing. You know what happens on Monday? I crash because I go through withdrawal on Monday. It's like clockwork. I know it's coming. On Monday, on Sunday, I think all things are possible. On Monday, I'm ready to quit. So I make no major decisions on Monday. I wait for Tuesday. Tuesday is a better day. I just know myself. I'm human like you. But do some of you feel like Monday is always there? You're always depressed. It's not just adrenaline, something else, some oppressions in your life. Just can't even get out of bed. What's the point? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, that'd be nice. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As soon as he says yoke, he says, and learn. Yoke and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. Even in the days of Jesus Christ, it was common that when rabbis went around and they were looking for disciples to choose, to teach, to pass on their wisdom, that they would walk up to a prospective student and they would drop their robe on the shoulders of that student and say, I choose you. I've been watching you for years, and you're going to learn everything I know. And what that meant is that they would adopt the colors and the teachings of that rabbi. There were many rabbis doing that in that day. It was a life-changing moment. If you're a fisherman like Peter, and Jesus walks up to you and says, follow me, you're my disciple. You just changed careers. Oh, my goodness. That's good, like going from plowing fields to becoming a prophet. That's what Peter got that day. He was called not to be a fisher of uh, fish, but of men. He was going to be and learn from Jesus Christ himself. And you knew who followed who? Because they were disciples were not allowed to teach their own stuff. They had to learn their rabbi's material so well that when they taught, you could tell it was like listening to the rabbi himself. They had it nailed. And when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you didn't just teach what you wanted to teach. You had to teach as closely to your master as possible. You hear what I'm saying? My yoke is what he's offering you. It is a mantle. And it's not just any mantle. It is the prophet's mantle. To proclaim the kingdom of God has come. That your other yoke and oppressive thoughts and ideas and obligations are now broken. And you are free to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, but what about peace and security and my well-being? My rabbi told me, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
follow the road of the prophet, and all these other things will be provided. Employment isn't the point. It is to follow the calling that's important. There isn't a person here today who has received Jesus as their rabbi who doesn't have a calling on your life. All of you do. In the times of Jesus, this was everything. But the reason we miss this moment, this calling, is because of oppression in our life. Oppression is learned. Sandra said, it's a good thing I got saved because I would be a terrible man if I hadn't. And I would be a manipulator and I would go into the religious business to make a lot of money. And I could do that. I know how to lie and steal with the worst of thieves out there and manipulate. And if that didn't pay off, I would go into the less profitable business of politics and uh, do that. Or sell real estate or used cars or something. But I gave that all up, thank God, to follow God, to preach his word, to share what Jesus says. And as I follow that, I discover that what is happening around me is that people are enslaved by the way they think. You control people when you control the way they think. You don't need change. You don't need locks or prison bars to enslave a people. All you need to do is shape the way they think. And if they're stuck in that mode, you've got them. You've oppressed them. You've enslaved them. It is Jesus Christ that threatens that because he says, break that yoke, leave it behind, and follow me. When you follow Christ, when you take up his yoke, you are set free. Jesus wants to invite you to take his prophetic mantle by giving you the God-empowering choice to be set free, to think a different way, to reject the bonds of your oppressors. Lies enslave you. You hear what I'm saying? Lies will enslave you, and the truth will set you free. His yoke, his mantle, his truth will set you free and break the yoke or the lies of the oppressor. Jesus said in John 8, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and what? And the truth will make you free. That you shall know the truth and it shall make you free is the second part of saying, to follow my, me, my disciples, these are people who have taken up the call, to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to learn from him, to obey him, to proclaim what he proclaims, and to realize truth isn't just an idea, it's not just a principle, it's a person. Do you remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it isn't just an idea I preach, I preach Christ. 
and ask you to receive him too. And the Lord, those who the Lord has set free, he has set free indeed. It changes the way you think. I could talk at you all day. I can't change one way you think. But you receive this mantle. You receive this calling on your life. You put the kingdom first and peace of security second. You'll change the way you think. And you'll wake up one morning and say, oh my goodness, what am I doing? You're following Jesus. But this is risky. This is scary. Yes, that's what this is. That's the prophet's mantle. If you pick it up and follow Jesus prophetically, it will be a real challenge to your life. It will be scary at times. Our enemy is not culture. Our enemy is not governments. Our enemy is ancient. And he attacks from the shadows and he attacks through puppets he uses. He is Satan and all the demonic hosts filled with lies and accusations. The prophet's mantle declares that his dominance in your life is broken. And the fears of his lies are burned in the fire of God's truth. If you would believe in the Son of God, let him rule in your heart as your chosen king. Pick up the mantle of Christ and say, where is the God of Jesus Christ? Smite the waters that are holding you from crossing over and they will part. God will make a way when there was no way. Any of this sound familiar to you? These aren't just old promises from the Word of God. These are promises Christ is making to you right now. The only barrier that can stand between you and this freedom today is taking a knee of submission and voluntarily accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior first to save you from the consequences of your sin, but also as King. There is a debate amongst theologians that goes this way. If you do not receive Jesus as your king, is he your savior? Well, Lord, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll confess my sins to you. I am a real mess up. I'm not very good. Well, that's good, John. I'm thankful. I repent of that. I'm so sorry. But you know, sin or sin, and that's what I do. I guess you'll just have to keep forgiving me. He says, but John, I want to set you free from that. All you need to do is take a knee and let me drop the calling on your life. Let me be in charge of it. Well, Lord, all I really want is not to burn in hell. I'm having a great time. I want to be in control of my life. I really don't want the mantle. I just want the salvation. So I don't have to have the consequences of sin while enjoying it. That's where a lot of people are coming from. If he's not my king, is he my savior? If he's not in charge, am I just buying fire insurance? Hoping I don't burn. It is so important that he's your king. You might be saved, but you will be miserably saved. If he's your king, you're about to go on an adventure of a lifetime. If he's in charge, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Finally, Ephesians chapter 2, 13 to 22. 
I did a lot of walking in the Bible. Here we go. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man and establish peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you, those who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access to one spirit, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The prophetic mantle is on me today, and it tells me that some of us have been far off from God. And the promise of this freedom and of his peace, just as you heard this morning. We're so far removed from God, we're not even sure he even exists. The pain, the suffering, and the injustice of this world do not reveal a loving God who cares but seems far from our situation. And that is what being isolated does to your soul. We think we're all alone. Has there ever been a prophet to think they're all alone? I am alone and left. And no one understands how hard it is. If that is you today... You are called to overcome the barrier of unbelief and be reconciled in faith with Jesus Christ. This is a call to make peace with God and find peace in your soul because it is your accusation against God that has caused the enmity. All that is needed is to receive Jesus Christ as King, not just as Savior of your life. Break the yoke and the rod of oppression you feel right now. If you have ought against God, it's because you haven't taken your knee before God and made him king. I also sense that some of us are near God, enough to be religious and yet live under the shadow of never being good enough. I've tried and I've tried. I've gone to church. I've done all these things. I've tried to be a good Christian. No matter how hard you try or how earnestly you seek God, you always seem to fail. You always seem to come up short in your efforts. The enemy whispers in your soul that you will never find this peace with God that you're seeking. You too, even though you're near to God, are called this morning to give up your religious efforts. To reach out to God all the time. You know the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world? Every religion in the world is reaching to God. In the Christian faith, we let God reach us through His Holy Spirit. What is required isn't more effort. 
what is required is surrender. Quit trying. Just give up and let him be in charge. God is already reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you right now. All that is needed is for you to receive Jesus Christ as king of your life. To break the yoke and the rod of oppression you feel right now. Isaiah came, Jesus Christ came, and I come to you to preach peace to you. Peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. If you make Jesus king of your life by submitting to his rule, then you will no longer be strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. In this family of God, you will find the freedom of God. Where he rules in your soul through the Holy Spirit, you'll find turmoil and distress in your soul when you believe in an oppressive lie. I can tell how people pray by the way they talk. I can tell what people are following by the way they talk. If you are filled with distress and anxiety and turmoil and fear and everything, then Jesus is not being used as your king. You're not calling on the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Today in the news, we hear about brothers and sisters who have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I just read of a story of a group of missionaries and indigenous to the area who were warned by their supervisor to flee. And they refused. They said, we think God is calling us to stay and to minister to the refugees. The Muslims came in. They were beheaded and crucified this week because they stayed and followed the calling of God. But they didn't do it with anxiety fear. They did it with a boldness of faith because they had something greater than this life, a purpose and a meaning, a calling on their life. If peace is not found in your circumstances, but in your relationship with your king, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And when you receive him as king, you reject this sinful world and all the buildings and all the religious trappings around us, and you begin to say, only one thing matters, and that's what King Jesus wants in my life. Every prophet knows that the world rejects the word of God for a lie. But to those who receive Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of their lives, the bedrock, the only thing that matters, as king over everything, they will find prophetic freedom and peace that surpasses all comprehension. It is the gift that comes from trusting and surrendering to the will of God. Jesus Christ has not yet begun to reveal the purpose of your life until it is surrendered without condition into his hands. Those who question the right of Jesus Christ to rule their lives will not know the peace of God. And if you don't know it, it's an issue of surrender. Those who doubt the prophetic promise will miss the call. They'll walk right past the mantle offered them, and they will not be reconciled. Surrender brings what a very old hymn said and declared long ago, peace, peace, wonderful peace.
coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called every person here today to a higher purpose. We know that there is a yoke to be broken and that you are more than able to do it. For you want to replace it with your mantle, your calling, your teaching, your guidance, your kingship over us. We ask you, Almighty God, that you would do that tonight, today. That people would give up the things that makes us anxious, fearful, the things that they are pursuing that isn't God himself, and that we would trust you when at your word when you said, I will provide for you. I will take care of you. But surrender voluntarily every day, every moment of your life to my rule over you. I believe, God, you're more than able to rule. You're more than able to show and direct each life. You're more than able to scare us half to death with what you want to do and more than able to bring us through. Lord, we stand at the prophet's river. We see the barrier before us. I pray that people would pick up this mantle after taking a knee to you and saying, show me the God of Israel and the waters will part. A way will be made and God will call us over. On that last day, O oh Lord, I pray I have that confidence. On that last day when I draw my last breath, I want to know that the mantle is still with me, that a way is made, that when I cross over into the glory of heaven, I will be received. For I will be wearing the robes of Jesus Christ, not my rags, but his righteousness. Because I have picked up this mantle today, and I have picked up my calling in Jesus Christ. Lord, be king. I pray that no barrier will prevent people from letting you be king of their life, that they'll lay it down today. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to do that and struggling with that, I pray they won't leave this place, that they'll come up front here and talk with me until that barrier is overcome. And they are set free to follow the will of God. This is the moment. Let us not pass on by without picking up this mantle. I pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you all on your next adventure. Come back next Sunday and tell us all about it, will you? You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities, both locally and abroad, and for all ages. Coffee and snacks are served, children's church and child care are available.